welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. How are you doing? You good? Don't even know that I've introduced myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Tony. And like Pete, I'm also one of the pastors here, so it's great to have you with us. And uh, you have come at an incredible, incredible time. Because we are just launching our brand new series called Sweet Relationships. And the reason we felt to do a series on relationships is a number of reasons. One, because it's very, very necessary and very, very needed. But the other reason is because Kath and I celebrated our 20th anniversary on Wednesday. So that was great. Got married in February 8 at 3 o'clock on a 35 degree day. Kath was 15 minutes late and that was 20 years ago. But I forgive her for being late. It's okay. We also thought it'd be great to do a relationship series in February because it's Valentine's Day in February on the 14th. We also thought it'd be good to do a relationship series in February because we're having a wedding in February. Matt and Deb are getting married in February on the 19th, which is fantastic. And we also thought it'd be great because this church has its birthday and celebrates 18 years this February on the 27th, which is great. So we're going 18 years. And for church to go that long, it involves good relationships, let me tell you. And so sweet relationships is all about (laughs) relationships, funny enough. And more importantly, how to keep them sweet. What we can do and what we should not do in order to keep them sweet. And this series, we're going to cover things like sweet resolutions and sweet forgiveness and sweet love and sweet boundaries and sweet dreams and sweet talk and sweet sex. And then on the last night, we're going to have a panel up here and answer some of the questions that have been stirred and motivated from this series. So it's going to be an incredible series. We're going to have a lot of fun with it, I'm sure. But today, to kick this whole thing off, I want to speak to you about sweet foundations. Everyone say foundations. And before I get into it, I just want to look at some statistics that are taken from the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, about relationships, and in particular weddings and marriages. In Australia, every third marriage ends in divorce. About 29% of Australians never marry. The 121,176 marriages registered in 2010 represents an increase of 1,058 marriages more than in 2009. So marriage is on the increase, which is interesting. The highest number of marriages registered in a single year and continues the relatively steady increase of numbers of marriages since year 2001. So Um, Contrary to popular belief, marriages are on the rise. Um, Also, in 2010, there were 50,240 divorces granted in Australia, an increase of 792 compared to 2009. And about one-third of children today are born outside the traditional marriage. Marriages are now lasting a little longer than the divorce Uh, than before divorce, than they did 20 years ago. Uh, Generally, 
Uh, divorces lasted, uh, people got divorced after 10.1 years, now they last to 12.5 years, so um, there's some improvement. I mean, they're still getting divorced, but they're staying together a little bit longer. That's what that statistic is telling us. It also tells us that women file more divorce applications than men. Whether that's because women just can't put up with men, or whether that's because men aren't courageous enough to actually make that application, I don't know, but it's not good. And in 2010, there were 24,853 divorces involving children under the ages of 18 years, which constitutes 49.5% of all divorces granted, which tells us that our younger generation are growing up in an environment that is quite different to previous generations. And it's funny when you use the word normal now, what is normal now? Normal is relative. And that's why it's not good enough to be normal. We've got to go back to something beyond normal. We've got to go to something more consistent and more constant than normal. Normal changes too much. You can't rely on normal. We've got to rely on something a little bit more constant than normal. And I believe in order to do that, we've got to go back to the Word of God. We've got to go back to what God says in the very beginning. After all, relationships were His idea. And if something, just, just, just let me throw this out. If something that you bought is broken, you don't go to just anybody to fix it. You go back to the manufacturer. Yeah? The one who made it. The one who designed it. The one who created its purpose. You go back to them to get it fixed. You don't just go to anyone, no matter how normal that may seem to you. And so this whole series is about us returning back to the origins of relationships, where they began, why they began, what's the purpose of our relationships. And what I know through reading the Word of God is that relationships are foundational to anyone working together. The key to building anything well starts with a good foundation. Many of us would have a home that I'm sure we love and enjoy being in, but interestingly enough, all the bits we love about the home aren't the foundational bits. The bits that make the home that we love stand strong over time are the things that you don't see. The things that are laid first. The things that are put underground. The things that aren't celebrated. But in order for a relationship or for a house to stand, it needs a good foundation. And in order for a relationship to stand, it needs a good foundation. In Luke chapter 6, verse 47, it says, I will show you what He is like, who comes to me and hears my words, and puts them into practice. Jesus was teaching uh, as he often did. He said, I'm going to show you what the person who puts my word into practice is like. That's what he's saying here. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid, laid foundations on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. 
But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. What I love about what Jesus is teaching here is this. He says, when the rains come, when the storms come, when the struggles come, when the torrents come, He doesn't say if. You can't build a house without it um, enduring the elements. The extreme heat, the extreme cold, the extreme rains. And it's only in those times you know if your house was built well. Any house can look good in good weather. When everything's going well, everything can look well. That is the story that the three little pigs teaches us. On a fine day, straw, sticks or bricks, it doesn't matter on a good day. But not every day is a good day. Every now and then, big bad wolves come along and they huff and they puff. And they try and blow your house down. And it's when the big bad wolf comes and huffs and puffs that the work of your hand is seen for what it is. And many of you would know the story. The straw house kaput. The stick house kaput. But those two little pigs found a refuge in a brick house. A house that was built well. And when the big bad wolf came to the brick house, it doesn't matter whether your house is made of bricks, straw or sticks, the big bad wolf comes. The storms come. The arguments come. The testing comes. Please don't enter a relationship saying, we'll be fine. We will never argue. Any married couple in this room that says they've never argued is a liar. who's putting on an appearance, a religious mask. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Every now and then, man, you need to know this, a big bad wolf will come and huff and puff. <laughs> and vice versa. Things come, things happen. The big bad wolf comes to the brick home and he huffs and puffs, but he can't blow it down. And so the house that was built well became a safe haven, not just for him, but also for his mates. What we want to build is not just for us, it's also for our mates. We want to build something well. I want to build a great marriage, not just for us, but for my kids. I want them to be able to model. I want to be able to model something to my kids. I want to be able to model something to people who are watching on. It's not just for us I want a good marriage, it's for others. I want want a marriage that says it can work. Marriage is awesome. So it's not just for us, it's for those looking on. Because foundations are important when it comes to building a relationship. And I want to look very quickly this morning of three key foundations to any relationship. You cannot build a relationship without these three core elements. And the first element to any relationship that will be sweet and go the distance has to be on the foundation of Christ Himself. I've already mentioned that marriage was God's idea in the beginning. It's His idea. To leave Him out of it, it just gets crazy real quick. You've got to have 
Jesus at the center. Because it's all about him. Yes, it's all. You've got to have him at the center. The center of it all. If we don't have him at the center of it all, our relationships aren't going to work properly. And can I just say from the very beginning of this series, not to let relationships define you. Marriage is not your identity. My identity does not come through being married. I'm not Cass's husband. I'm not so-and-so's friend. Don't let relationships define you. Can I just say for all the single people out there, who possibly desperately want to get married and into a relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. But can I say this? That while you're waiting for your significant other, use your singleness to get close to Jesus. Use your singleness. Use the extra time that you have. I want to tell you, if you are single, you have more time than anybody on the planet. Because when you get married, you lose time. When you have kids... Time is a precious commodity. And so I want to say to all the single people, use the time you have to develop a deep, lasting relationship with Christ. Because He's the one that's going to be able to hold it all together for you in the first place. He's the rock on which relationships are built. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, it says, He's before all things. And it's in Him all things hold together. I love that. What it's saying is that if you will put God first, if you'll put Christ first, He will help you to keep it all together. Put Him first and He has the power to keep things together. So you've argued with your husband, you've argued with your wife. They're not seeing the things the way you... You say, Jesus, help me to see what I'm not seeing. You bring him in the centre. Help me to see it from my wife's point of view. I just can't see it, Lord. Right now, she's frustrating me. Right now, I've had a gut full. I'm up to here. I don't get it. I don't get this woman that you gave me. Help me. Put him at the centre. And it's amazing what can come when you bring him into the relationships. If you put him first, he can hold all things together. And he may drop thoughts into your spirit about how busy you've been and you're a little bit tired and you've been a bit grumpy. Oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. And as the head of the home, and that's what I am as a man, Oh, I know that's chauvinistic for some of you. I, as a man, I'm the head of my home. I am. If you're a man in your house and you're the husband, you are the head of your home. But let me explain what that means. Before the feminists rise up and stone me. <laughs> Being the head of the home means you are the first. And the most responsible member of the household. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that we lord it over. 
And we just tell people to do what we want. It means that we are first. I'm, I'm the first in my house. Now the feminists are getting really mad. As the man in the home, I'm not in the head, but I'm the first person in my home. <gasps> what does that mean? It means I'm the first to say sorry. It means I'm the first to admit that I'm wrong. It means I'm the first to do whatever is required that we might stay together. That's what being the head of the home is. And God put that responsibility on the man to be the first to say sorry. To be the first to humble themselves. To be the first person in the morning to look at their wife and say, I love you. Be the first. To be the first person in the household to grab their kids and give them a hug and say, I love you. And daddy's never going to leave you. The first, the head of the home, leading the way, leading by example. That's what it means. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you can sit on your fat backside and order your wife around and tell her what she should do and tell your kids to get you a beer. That is not being the head of the home. That's being an idiot. And any feminist out there has my permission to go and stone that guy. Because <laughs> that ain't being the head of the home. That's just being stupid. You've got to put Christ at the centre of it all. I find it so amazing that in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus is being tempted by the devil, Jesus says these words, and you've got to catch it. He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written. He didn't say it's normal. He said it's written. He went to the Word of God, not the culture of the day. That changes all the time. He went to what is written. And he said, worship the Lord your God. And serve him only in that order. Here's where most people go wrong with their relationship with Christ. They get busy serving him, but they forget to love him. Jesus never said serve, then worship. He said worship. To love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, body and soul. And out of that, let, work, let uh, service flow. Let giving flow. If we can get this right, we'll never backslide. We'll never need a sabbatical that lasts for 27 years. We'll be able to serve because we've got on the right foundation of Jesus being the centre of it all. Do you know why most people are sitting in churches doing nothing? I know they've got their reasons and their excuses, but at the end of the day, someone hurt them. and we, that, that hurt has become an offence, and that offence is stopping them getting involved again because they don't want to be hurt again. Relationships, you're going to get hurt. But Jesus at the centre of it all. Between you and any other person that you have a relationship with, there will be something or someone in between. You've got to make sure it's the right person. Between me and Glenn right now, can be anything from anger, frustration, bitterness or Christ. 
you put Jesus at the centre of every conversation? Instead of your frustration, your hurt, and, and your past, and you always, and the church, oh, they only want your money. Church only want your money. If you, if you put that between me at the offering time, and you only want the money, you're not hearing. Put Jesus at the centre. Let Him speak. Let Him address our selfishness. And put Jesus at the centre. It is the, the rock on which we build every relationship. Can I just say this to answer some of the critics out there and the sceptics who would argue, I know some non-Christians that have better relationships than Christians. And I would agree with that. But I think the answer is a number of things. And the first thing is, is what you are seeing and hearing from that person that you think has a better relationship actually just a facade or is it real? People are great at putting on facades. So I'd have to first question, is it real? Number one. Secondly, if it is real and they generally do have a good relationship, I can guarantee this, there are Christian principles involved, like forgiving one another. Like, like being the first one to say sorry. I, I, I can guarantee Christian principles are involved. So Christ is in there somewhere. And thirdly, sometimes the reasons Christians have seemingly bad marriages is because some people that we're reaching out to have such horrific backgrounds that when they give their life to Jesus, though they are saved, they've still got to learn how to relate. They've still got to learn how to do marriage. They've still got to learn how to do some of those things that others have in place already, even though they're not Christians. So we have to extend grace. Having said that, I stand by this, that you need Christ as the foundation of any relationship. Secondly, commitment. Sweet relationships are built on commitment. We live in a throwaway society. You look at the electronic devices that we buy today. You don't fix electronic devices today, you throw them away. Why? Because it's easier and cheaper. Relationships aren't easy and they're not cheap. And you can't afford just to have a throwaway mentality. We have a throwaway mentality that throws away marriages, families and babies. Do you know there are thousands of abortions in South Australia every year? Thousands. And there's a handful of adoptions. People are so quick to throw things away. Throw away society. But we build on a commitment not towards one. When I walked down the aisle, or sorry, I was down the aisle, when my wife walked down the aisle 20 years ago, we said some vows. We made some promises to each other. And they were based upon a commitment, not a feeling. We said, in sickness and in health, I will love you. Rich or poor, I will never leave you. And though you may tick me off at times, as I will you, we're going to be together forever. 
If you have divorce as an option, it's already over. You cannot be counselled. You cannot read a book. If you have divorce as an option, it's all over for you. Put everyone out of your misery and get out now. It's over. But if you're on a commitment, you're not looking for out, you're looking for a solution. If there's no options, if the only option is a solution, you'll find it. You always find, tweet this, JT, you'll always find... Chubbins, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Whatever options you leave open, you'll find solutions to it. Don't mind that. That doesn't sound as good as what it was going to say. It was going to be awesome. But if you leave divorce as an option... Don't come and see Pete and Sally. Don't, don't waste their time. Just get divorced. Go, forget it. It's all over. If you close the door to divorce, that's the start. That's the start. When you burn all the bridges and say, I'm not leaving. I've told the story before, but for the sake of some who may not have heard this, it's worth repeating because it's so powerful and it's so unusual and it certainly ain't normal. When I was 12 years of age, my mum and dad were having the divorce talk. And there was something about Baz being younger than me that he kind of didn't quite get it. He was out of the picture and Pete being older than me and smarter than me kind of was able to keep, had enough wisdom to keep out of it. But for me, I'm in the middle, I'm trying to be this mediator and I'm crying and I'm desperately wanting them to stay together. Because that's what every kid wants. No matter how bad it may look, kids want a mum and a dad. And God help us if we deprive kids from having a mum and a dad. And dad looked at me and said, this kid's the only one talking any sense. He said, our boys need a mum and a dad. And divorce was off the table. And now some 50-odd thousand years later, they're still married. Because Dad was able to put Jesus at the centre of insanity and bring wisdom. Oh, I bet it was right for him. I bet it was easy for him. No, it wasn't easy. It's just worth it. I don't believe I'd be up here today sharing what I'm sharing, the way I'm sharing it, if our parents had just did their own thing. Now, you can't change your past. If divorce is in your past, you can't. But I'm talking about your future. Don't let your past condemn you. I'm talking about your future. We can eradicate separation and divorce if we would just put Jesus at the centre and don't say, yeah, but what about my partner? They don't don't say, you. Yeah. starts with you. Yeah. But what about if they don't listen? It doesn't matter. You'll be a better person. Yes. And even if it ends in divorce because they refuse to change, you'll be a better person. Yeah. You'll you, you have Jesus at the centre more than ever. Just don't worry about your... Don't worry how they respond. 
there are sometimes when people leave church and I'm saying to God, God, you call me to preach and people don't listen and they leave. And, and I think God say to me, I only ever told you to preach. I never said anyone would listen. <laughs> so preach I do. There wasn't a condition. If you preach, this is what will happen. It's just like, just preach. And when you have to say sorry to your wife, doesn't matter how she responds, you just say, don't, don't worry about what will happen, just do it anyway. It's called commitment. And it'll change your life. And the third one, and I do not have time to get into all the details, is communication. Christ, commitment, and communication. Communication is the act of transferring information, knowledge, fact, thoughts, and feelings one to another. Communication plays a major role in any relationship. Where there's communication breakdown, there will always be strained relationships. Always. You know, if someone's struggling in their walk with God, and they feel like giving up, getting out, I only need to ask this question. What's your prayer life like? And prayer is simply communication. It's talking to God. And that's the first thing always to go. If you stop praying and talking to God and getting perspective, you won't serve in the church for long, much longer after that. And you probably won't stay in church much longer after that. Because it has to be on a foundation of talking. Adam and Eve and God, they used to walk and talk in the cool of the evening. That's how it used to be. Say, God, had a great day today. Tell me about it. Like many of us did as parents as our kids came back from school. I mean, many of us had the joy that I had of sending our kids off to school for the very first time. Do you know what I did? I got BJ on the, on the, um, on the bed and uh, I got my little phone and I started filming her. And I interviewed her about her first day and I keep it forever. I said, how was your first day? She says, good. <laughs> Who's your teacher? Mrs. Great. I said, what did you learn today? We learned the letter S. And she, I said, what's that look like? She goes, How's this? This is a bit of a boast. Our daughter is the best colourer in her in the class. <laughs> Which I'm really happy about. Because she's terrible at sport. <laughs> Bless her. I mean, we love her. We do. But we throw a ball to her. And she just... She, <laughs> she cannot catch a ball. Me and Kathleen, what, whose kid is this? <laughs> she can't catch. You drop the ball into her hand. She said to me the other day, I'm not very good at this, am I, Dad? I said, that's an understatement. <laughs> What's an understatement? <laughs> Point being, I wanted to talk to her. She wanted to talk to me.
Can I just remind you, and in particular Matt and Deb as they're about to get married next week, you don't ever get married to get a nice home. That's not the purpose of marriage. You get married to talk. And in your relationship, you can either have communion or a reunion. It's up to you. Catch up so infrequently, it's like a reunion. Hi, wife. Or you can have deep communion on a daily basis. It's up to you. How deep and how real and how meaningful and how sweet your relationships are are going to be dependent upon the communication that takes place. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.